This is it. The putt to win the tournament. If you sink it, the championship is yours. But on your backswing, your hat falls over your eyes. Is this how you're running your business? Poor visibility because you're still relying on spreadsheets and outdated finance software? To see the full picture, you need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system to power your growth. With visibility and control of your financials, inventory, HR, planning, budget, and more, NetSuite is everything you need to grow, all in one place. With NetSuite, you can automate your processes and close your books in no time while staying well ahead of your competition. 93% of surveyed businesses increased their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Over 27,000 businesses already use NetSuite. And right now, through the end of the year, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind financing program to those ready to upgrade at NetSuite.com slash C-Suite. Head to NetSuite.com slash C-Suite for special end-of-year financing on the number one financial system for growing businesses. NetSuite.com slash C-Suite. Hello and welcome to Ascent Dental Radio, a program dedicated to the balance between the clinical aspect of healthcare and the business of healthcare. And now, here's your host, Dr. Kevin Coughlin. Welcome, this is Dr. Kevin Coughlin, and you're listening to Ascent Dental Solutions with a focus on knowledge, education, development, and training. I want to give special thanks to Mr. David Wolf and his excellent podcast crew. Without their expertise, these podcasts wouldn't be possible. I also want to thank my sponsors, Patterson Dental, Henry Shine, and Vocal Supply. Without their support, these podcasts would be extremely difficult to produce week by week. Tonight, like always, we have a special guest. His name is Dr. Mike Greewe. Dr. Uh, Mike is an orthopedic surgeon, and I thought it was probably appropriate to bring someone on that can maybe educate us in how telemedicine is working and how this pandemic has pushed telemedicine to the forefront. Mike, thank you so much. I know how busy you are, and your curriculum vitae is outstanding, but maybe you could tell our listeners today a little bit about yourself and how you got involved with telemedicine. Well, thanks so much, and and really glad to be here tonight. I'm very happy to be on the program. And you know, it's interesting. I guess I I uh, got started, you know, in orthopedics. You know, very young in medical school, was really interested in bones and joints, and enjoyed running. And and that was kind of my start into orthopedics. But as I kind of went along, got into surgery, and and loved that. Loved orthopedic surgery. Loved fixing bones and joints. But particularly, really loved taking good care of people. And I had patients that would come from you know, far away in my area. And, uh, you know, many years ago, I thought, well, it'd be better for me to be able to check in on them, you know, from the comfort of their homes where they might be driving two, three hours to get to see me. And, and ultimately, that's really where my uh, desire to try to help people with telemedicine began. And so I started to look out for programs that might be able to help me to do that and help my patients. And, couldn't quite find something that really worked well for a, you know, a busy surgeon, for a busy clinician. And that's when I decided I was going to go ahead and, and make something that worked well for, for uh, physicians and for clinicians out there. So that, that's kind of how my start in telemedicine uh, came. And that was, that was back in 2015. And then in 2016, we started uh, Ortho Live, which was a, a, a company specific towards orthopedics and, and you know, kind of have been growing that ever since. Well, as you know, Mike, I'm a general dentist and have been practicing for 38 years and still practice full time. Can you tell us 
not just generally about medicine, but dentistry. Are you aware of platforms, programs that can perhaps help the dental profession maybe leapfrog to where medicine is right now? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I've heard of some me- some dental-specific telemedicine programs. There's, there are, uh, there's a group called the Teledentists out there, and I know that they have been doing this maybe with their own dentists uh, sort of on the background, but you know, what I really think is important is for our own communities to be, you know, adopting this technology and to utilize it in a way that that helps our own communities and helps the people that are, you know, local to us. Otherwise, I think we start maybe losing, you know, patients in our own communities to some of these larger entities that are that are running telemedicine programs across the country. So I, I don't really know what's required from a dental perspective. You know, I imagine you need x-rays and you need to be able to see imaging from time to time. And so, you know, that, that can really easily be done with pretty much any platform. We, we run a agnostic platform called Spring Health Live, and that has really um, allowed us to do, you know, the same sort of thing that we do in orthopedics across multiple disciplines. But I, I think the, the ability to, you know, see and understand what's going on, get a history, and also to be able to see a little bit better you know, imagine you, you would want to be able to see things like, you know, small infections. You, you probably want to be able to discuss little details with, with patients as a dentist. Um, and I think that's really easily done with telemedicine. But maybe you can give me some examples of things that you might see a dentist needing to do via telemedicine, because I can, I can sort of explain how that can work with, with the, the platforms that are out there. Well, I think for this procedure for this evening's discussion. I could tell you with the pandemic, at least in the Massachusetts area, many dentists were closed. It was considered elective procedures and other than emergency dentistry, which would mean abscesses, periodontal issues, endodontic issues, or root canal or gum issues uh, for the layman's terms, uh, dental extractions. All of those were considered necessary treatments. And what I quickly learned is many general dentists refer out to oral surgeons, periodontists, endodontists. So if you didn't have some specialty training and background, you were really out of business. Fortunately for us, uh, we have a a well-rounded team and we were able to do these things, but I was seeing a large number of patients that were clinically not our patients. They were new patients, their dental office wasn't open. And what we were doing is we were screening them. And the idea that I really thought was terrific is in about a six month period, we probably saved over a thousand patients from going to the ER because typically they're in pain, they don't know what to do, they can't get their dentist, they go to the ER, the ER doctor takes a look, gives them an antibiotic and says, find a dentist because most ERs are not equipped to remove teeth. So we saw an initial tremendous improvement in reducing the influx to the hospitals that were already being stretched out. But from a dental perspective, the radiograph is an important image to have the patient's clinical history, and I believe you need some kind of informed consent for most telemedicine and teledentistry. I personally don't see anything specifically different that your platform for medicine would be different than for dentistry. So perhaps it might be helpful. What were some of the pitfalls in 2010 when you started that you said, geez, with the knowledge you now have, 
in the experience that could maybe leapfrog our industry and profession to maybe avoid some of those pitfalls and problems? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. So the first thing was ease of entry for the patients. So, you know, the biggest hurdle that I saw when we first started was that patients, they didn't really want or, you know, uh, had difficulty, I think, entering, you know, a, a simple username and password, verifying that and, and getting into the system. So, you know, one of the things that we did was we really made it simple for patients to get in and we didn't reveal any of their, you know, uh, protected health information when they did log in, you know, really easily. So it's very critical to have an easy entry for patients, whether that be through the web or through an app. We also found, you know, some patients aren't comfortable using their phones and using an app, right? So you have to have a web-based system to be able to get in and, and be able to see patients. And it really needs to be kind of like a one-click entry uh, for patients as well. Easy little, you know, check boxes to make sure that the consents are signed and things like that. Um, what you mentioned earlier about consents is a second point that I think is super important. So, you know, the rules and laws around telemedicine indicate that we have to have consent for, you know, seeing a patient via telemedicine. So allowing to have, you know, just having consents built into the platform, critical. And so that that's a second, you know, thing that I think is really uh, important. The third is probably the backend system, just being able to see who is waiting for you as a clinician, as a, as a dentist, right? You, you want to have your list of patients just like you would in your office and know who's in your waiting room, right? And we didn't have that before. We would just sort of, you know, click in like in 2015, we'd click in and just sort of wait there, you know, for the patient. And that's not great for any clinician. As you know, we're all strapped for time. And, uh, you know, time is probably the most valuable thing that you have in your office. You don't want to be waiting. But the soon, as soon as you see that a patient's in, you can click in and have the conversation you need to have and be able to also show them what you need to show them. Maybe you have some imaging, as you mentioned earlier, that you need to show. Well, a quick share screen will allow them to see that on their computer or on their uh, cell phone. And so, you know, that's really, really important as well. So I think I think those three key features are, are really important. Just, you know, kind of that, that, you know, making sure that it's very easy for patients to be able to get in and, and be seen, having the consents right there built into the platform, and then making sure that it's sort of, you know, that the patient list follows your office flow and you know when the patient's there. Those are really the key components. And then we can get into details and in terms of, you know, integration with your electronic health record system and all the other bells and whistles that kind of come with some of the platforms out there that make it simple. But, but it's very, very important to make sure that those three things are, are addressed. A follow-up question that I have, do you, in your experience, just pick a certain part of the day or a day where you're just going to practice telemedicine? Or do you try to mix and match seeing clinical patients on site and then you go into your office and do a telemedicine? Is there a strategy that you found that has worked? Uh, or is it just a matter of this is how we do it and everybody can do it a different way? Yeah, I think I've, I've sort of toyed with uh, a lot of different strategies. And um, I'll, I'll give you kind of the you know, the ones that seem to work the best uh, for, for me and then for others that I've heard. So, you know, the one that works for me is blocking off time that's going to go towards telemedicine. 
in my office, I'm constantly moving. Once I start to see patients in the office, I don't really slow down too much. Uh, so, you know, for me, it was blocking off time. And typically those office visits were going to result in less overall time than I would have spent with those patients in the office. And I'll explain kind of why that, that may be. But, but in general, if anyone is waiting for me in the office, you know, they've, they've really formulated a lot of their questions and, and they have, you know, uh, you know, unfortunately, maybe 30 minutes to sit there and sort of think about the questions they're going to ask. But in a virtual visit, a lot of times, you know, we will uh, talk about the imaging, we'll kind of go through, you know, whatever may be ailing them at that point in time. But for whatever reason, it seems to be a little bit of a shorter visit. So I, I'll do those blocks of patients kind of early in my day, and I'll just sort of take 30 to 45 minutes and, and, uh, and see those. Now, I have another partner that has some breaks in his day. He does a lot of casting and things like that. So he actually will... Uh, tell the patients, hey, I'm, I'm kind of like the cable guy. Please just sign in between, you know, 1030 and 11 o'clock. And at some point during that time, I will call you. And that actually works really well for him because now he's using a lot of his dead space to fill with patient time that, that he normally wouldn't have. Sometimes he does procedures. And so in between procedures, he will call patients, you know, and, and he's able to fill that time really well. So he's just maximizing efficiency in his day. And I think those are two really good ways to use telemedicine to, to sort of maximize efficiency. Do you have an administrator that sort of screens these calls? In other words, Mrs. Smith is uh, at 10 o'clock tomorrow morning, uh, going to have a teleconference call with you. Does your administrator contact Mrs. Smith, get her on the line, or are you doing that directly yourself? Well, one of the important things about the platforms that you choose is that this should really be like an automatic thing. Um, you know, it really should be built into the system that when you decide that Mrs. Smith wants a teleconference or maybe Mrs. Smith decides, it's just a click of a button um, to allow that patient to be scheduled. And so what happens is these, you know, with our platform, for instance, automatic reminders get sent out. Uh, we notify the patient. Um, we send them kind of a, a, an appointment, you know, date and time. That gets built in in our back end to our practice management system, and everything kind of flows seamlessly because it's all integrated. And what happens is Mrs. Smith will get a reminder an hour before her call and also 10 minutes before her call to make sure that she's good to go. And the other thing that's cool about our system, um, and I'm sure other systems probably have something similar, but, but we actually know whether or not Mrs. Smith has downloaded the application or has logged into the website and signed her consents prior to the visit. So if Mrs. Smith hasn't done that, the, the ortho live staff or the Spring Health live staff will call on behalf of that patient and make sure that they kind of are good to go, that their you know, technical hurdles are resolved so that there's no breakdown in the process for the clinician. Um, you know, as a, as a surgeon, there's nothing more frustrating uh, than getting on and not having someone ready or, you know, not having them available and having it be some type of technical hurdle that they had. As simple as it might be, maybe they, you know, don't have their Wi-Fi, you know, ready or something like that. But, but you know, the, the key is these things should really be seamless. Um, we have MAs in our office that will schedule these visits. So our medical assistant will schedule it a lot of times. Um, but there's really very little that needs to be done once the patient's name, um, email address, and cell phone information gets put into the system and the, the time of the appointment. That's, that's pretty much the, uh, the simple way of doing it. 
And the way we have it worked is you have it in your PM system, your practice management system, and it just sort of kicks over to uh, to the you know the scheduling system inside our our telemedicine platform. So it's very seamless. Like once the appointment gets made and we label it as telemedicine, it just goes over and all the notifications get sent off. Well, I wish I wish we had video, um, you know, EHRs at this point. We we really don't, so we still have to go back and we we you know just like you'd have your regular visit in your office. Um, this is kind of like opening the door to your office and having a conversation with a patient. You still go back and you'll do your your notes and everything else. I know there's software out there. I've written a couple of books and I'm dictating it, and it's not perfect. I know the radiology groups in our area, they're dictating and their clinical notes are typed up. And I was just wondering if the telemedicine has gone to that extent at this point. Not quite, not quite. Yeah, we're still, I think, working through that a little bit, but um, you're right. I think those things are coming. Okay. And uh, from a business perspective, when you're doing these things, how do you factor in the scheduled time? Is every teleconference call 10 minutes, 20 minutes, or it varies depending on the procedure? And how does that get structured? Is it through just your practice management? Is it up to your medical assistant to make that decision prior to? How is that uh, the nuts and bolts actually done? Well, in most systems, you can actually set the length of telemedicine visits. So you might, you know, say, well, this call is going to be, it's a post-operative call, should take me about five minutes. Um, This is a, you know, standard recheck appointment. This is going to take me 10 minutes. And so you can set that appointment length. And that typically is up to the medical assistant to set beforehand. Uh, But most telemedicine platforms, they'll allow you to decide how frequently your telemedicine visits are going to be able to be scheduled. So you might say, well, I'm going to schedule, you know, a visit every 10 minutes. And that's a perfectly reasonable way to do that. Or you may say, well, I'm going to schedule them every five minutes, but I'm going to do two uh, back to back. And then I'm going to give myself a break for five minutes. And so I can get my charting done. And then I'm going to go ahead and do another two back to back. So there's a lot of different ways you can structure it. A lot of that's decided by the medical assistant or whoever's kind of scheduling things inside the practice management system. Well, uh, Dr. Greeley, I can't tell you how much I thank you for taking time tonight. The technology that you're sharing with us, it's not going away. It's only going to improve. And I think with all the situations that are occurring, it's just going to get better. Would you mind sharing is uh, our listeners, if they have questions, if they'd like to get in touch, if they'd like to know more about your ortho live, and maybe perhaps use you as a consultant or an expert to help the various dental organizations. And there are many of them that are all interested in this and just are looking for someone that they can, what I call BLT, believe, like, and trust in to help them get through this quagmire. Would you mind sharing your uh, personal information so that they could possibly reach out to you? Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to hear from them and happy to help out in any way that I can. My uh, my email is Mike, M-I-K-E, G-R-E-I, 
W-E at ortholive.com. And then um, for just sort of general, uh, you know, uh, questions about uh, the systems and things like that, it's info at ortholive.com. So either one, I'm happy to happy to answer any questions and happy to get in touch with your listeners and, and anybody that's that's interested. Well, thank you so much. I look forward to getting you back and asking you some additional questions because I have many. My name is Dr. Kevin Coughlin. You've been listening to Ascent Dental Solutions with a focus on knowledge, education, development, and training. Again, my special thanks to our sponsors, Patterson Dental, Henry Shine Dental, and Vocal Dental Supply Company. Without their support, these podcasts wouldn't be possible. Michael, thank you so much for your information. I appreciate it. And as our listeners know, you can go to Ascent Dental Solutions. And uh, if you need any additional information or contact about Mike, it'll be on that podcast. Thanks again for listening. I look forward to talking to you in the near future. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then... Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.